0: Well, it's a joy to worship with you, and we have been worshiping. We've been praying God in song, and my heart has been warmed. Hope you continue in prayer. I've got a subject that God put on my heart this week, and so I want to talk about uh, a vision for Grace Chapel. A vision for Grace Chapel. And I got some confirmation this morning that I'm on the right track because I usually listen to my son in law, Thomas Mann, uh, from Virginia, uh, at 7 o'clock on the radio. And he actually started out that sometimes we have visions and have plans, but those plans don't always, they're not always accomplished. And he mentioned from the book of James that we got to say, if the Lord will, we should live and do that. So he's right about that. But he also, in that sermon on uh, James, talked about he that that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him his sin. So he talked about we need to really be about the master's business and not having sins of uh, omission at Will's Senate Commission, so it really moved me. So I want to talk about a vision for Grace Chapel. I'm in a unique position to preach this sermon because I'm the second oldest person here. Reuben Beckham, I mean uh, uh, Reggie Rhodes, is the oldest guy here, and I'm the second oldest guy. And it's kind of hard for me to realize that. In fact, I told you this, I think, before, but it's kind of amused me. Out in Graham, Texas, I went to Dan Beach Ordination. I really enjoyed being there to the Ordination. And so they had these old precious brethren out there, old uh, Johnny Robinson, just a old precious brother. He on a walking cane and had a big old beard, and he's a venerable individual. And so he gave up and gave history of the church just great. And then his brother, who even older than he is, he sang an old harp song. And the old Bud Lawrence was out there. He's a good old boy. So I thought, <laughs> I, these three old precious brethren were over in the corner by themselves. I said, I'm going to talk to these old precious brethren. When I got out there, I laughed out loud. I found out I was older than all those old-precious brothers. <laughs> so I'm an old-precious brother. And so I can speak from a unique viewpoint about a vision for Grace chapel. Let me read you a verse that uh, characterizes me, but also characterizes you. This is over in Acts chapter 16, verse 36. Acts chapter 16, verse 36. For David, after he had served his own generation, the will of God fell asleep and was laid unto his fathers and saw corruption. Our task is to serve God in our own generation. And I want to do that. And I want you to, do this. I want you young people to listen too, because you've got a lot more time left than I've got probably. So I want you all of us, by our own generation, to serve God according to the will of God, Then we can fall asleep. And Tony uh, Martin really had a pretty good exercise this last week. He started writing down people who had been at Great Chapel and they gone to be of the Lord, quite a list. So that kind of moved me. There have been a lot of faithful people here who really uh, carried the task on and uh, have really been very faithful. And one of our songs even, we said, faithful unto death, said my loving master. So let me just give you a little history. You young people, especially listen to this. This church is 55 years old. We started in February of uh, 1969. We had nine charter members. I was a charter member. I was not the founding pastor. Bobby Poe was the founding pastor, but I was one of the charter members. I've been here most of the time since. I went to Clinton, Kentucky for three years to start a church, and then came back to southwestern Kentucky. But anyway, uh, I, w- I was a pastor here for 47 years, and I can't believe it's been two years since I became associate pastor. I became a pastor this very month of February. Isn't that amazing? Time's really passed, hasn't it? I really enjoyed working with him as an associate pastor. Uh, but so it's really been amazing. I think he's the man of the job. I think you all agree with that. I think God blessing him to do a good job. I'm really enjoying assisting him. But when we started, uh, there's a lot of people who made sacrifices. Uh, we met for a long time in 841 Stratford. It's still there. The house is still there, a um, rented house. and it had some really great services there. Only had a very small congregation. and had some great services. Then we bought uh, this house over here where I live, and uh, this piece of ground where this church building is standing now. And uh, so my house, that it, it even, it's even been large. It's really small. Uh, the largest, that's, they knocked the walls out. We had services there for a while. had a great time with the Lord. And then we were blessed to build this place here. But even this place is uh, smaller than it is now. Back where that post is back there, that's, well, it's a, we, 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 we added a whole lot to it. And now, thank God, we're fixing to add some more. So it's been really amazing. And the people who formed this church, they were very self-sacrificing. Tony Machiavelli, my father-in-law, and Patty, his wife, and Bobby Poe, the first pastor, sister Ann Poe, they gave their life savings practically to get this place started. Claude Jung was a big contributor. A lot of people really contributed and were very self-sacrificing. They had a vision, this church. I hope this vision will continue on. I hope that praying to God, the younger generation will continue this vision. Now I'm going to tell you a kind of a topic sentence and then I'm going to fill in all the blanks. I've had this vision for a long time and we're partially there. We have the opportunity to be there. Not our church even has the opportunity to be there. But we, we're, in a, we're in a good setting. with opportunity. I want this church to be a combination of the church at Philippi, the church at Syria and Antioch. We're going to look at both those churches. The church at Philippi and the church at Syria and Antioch, I want it to be a combination of those churches. So I'm going to give you a topic sentence. The church at Philippi, an incredibly generous church who are, had great unity. an incredibly. In fact, I've written a commentary on Philippians. If any of you want a copy, I, I can give some. I think I've got a few left, and we can order some more. We'll run out of those. That's, one, that's the first mem- book I memorized, and the only book I've ever written a commentary on. I really enjoyed that. I love the Church of Philippi. Paul loved that church, one of his favorite churches. But she had incredible unity. We've been blessed with unity here. We've got to continue to try to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit, the bond of peace. We've also been a very, very generous church. You supported your pastors. You've given benevolent money. It's been amazing what you've done. And so, uh, and so it's a generous church. And uh, even though she was a poor church, and we're, none of us are rich here, but we're really good givers, and I thank God for that. But, but also, the church at Syria and Antioch was an extremely evangelistic church. And so I thank God for that, very extremely evangelistic. Uh, this church has also got a great desire to do evangelism, and I thank you for that. Some Prentice churches are not as missionary-minded or evangelistic-minded as they really need to be. What happened to them was, just to get a little history, just a snapshot of history, Back when the modern mission movement started, there's some false doctrines that our brethren didn't like. So they kind of went on the ditch on the other side of the road. They weren't against mission work. In fact, I had a great-grandfather I'm named after him, but a great missionary. He preached in Canada. He started churches all over Mississippi, stuff like that, back even when the Indians were there. So we were uh, evangelistic. But then we began to overreact against some false doctrines that characterized some of the modern missionary movement, and we actually became way too lazy on evangelism. But our God is a good God. You know that? He a great God. In 1994, got opened up the way in India through Brother Jeff Harris. That's the first time I know of in a long time since the Trinity met his the gospel in other places, other lands. And then in 2000, got opened up the door to India. And this church has been very generous. I'm going to mention that in a minute as I go to the book of Philippians about supporting this kind of work. I can't believe what God's done with me. Cause I'm a big coward, and I'm not just trying to be honest. I'm just—I mean—I mean, I mean modest, I'm just to i am just honest about it. God can use a—he hit a straight lick with a crooked stick. What you've done with me, you have sent me with your generosity to India seventeen times. <coughs> I've been to Siberia three times through your generosity. I'm thinking to take my fifth trip to Nicaragua. I've been to the Philippines three times. That blows my mind. I didn't even start that until I was in my fifties. You've sent other men like Ida to India. You've been very, very evangelistic-minded. You've given to other people. Also, when you pray for that kind of work, I pray that it will continue and even become more, uh, even proliferate even more. So, anyway, let me read you some things now about the founding of the church at Philippi. Let's look at that first of all. We're going to look. We, and I hope you'll study the Philippian letter and read even in the Bible about the church in Syrian Antioch. And I, I, I got in the back of actually this week. I got real happy again thinking about how exciting the book of Acts is, the Holy Spirit was moving. Okay, let's look at the founding of the church at uh, Philippi. Let's look at Acts chapter 16, and I've got to pick my place. So I could be here all day, and I won't be, of course, but it's so exciting. There's so much to say, and I hope I can whet your appetite to use even more study after we get through. Let's look at the book of Acts, and let's this will be the founding of the church at Philippi, chapter 16. And we'll look at a few verses here. Chapter 16, I want to look at verses 6 through 9. I mean, six, I mean, chapter 16, verses 6 through 15. All right, the founding of the church uh, at Philippi. So I'm having to break into the context. This is one of Paul's uh, evangelistic journeys. Now, this is beginning, verse, that when they had gone through, gone throughout Phrygia and the regions of Galatia, and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. The Holy Ghost said, you can't go to Asia right now. He meant Asia minor already. Paul, you can't go there. Right now. This, this really makes me thankful for Paul's persistence. He wanted to preach the gospel. He tried, and the Lord said, no, this door is not going to be open to you. Then he's he going to do it again. Twice, he wanted to go somewhere. Brothers and sisters, God had to open up the door. God opened up doors. We cannot open up doors. We can pray for God to give us an open door. We need to always be doing that. So he said, the Holy Ghost said, you can't go here right now. He went later. After they were come to Mysia, they are saved. that means they tried to go into Phrygia, the Spirit suffered them not. So Paul could have become discouraged. Don't become discouraged when you want to do something right. Just keep on trying. Say, Lord, give me direction. Uh, I'm trying here. I'm trying there. You show me what to do. And then God, in a dramatic way, Open the door, the gospel will be preached. Let's look at this now. And they passing by you came down to Troas, which is right down on the coast. I wish I if we had time, I would get a map out here. We don't have time. But as you read this, you ought to get a map and read it. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia, that's in Greece, and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. So Paul saw this vision. He tried to go two places. God would not let him go, but God opened up this amazing door, a great door. After he had uh, seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called uh, for us to preach the gospel unto uh, them. Therefore, losing from Troas, we came with straight course to uh, Samothracia, and the next day to Neapolis, and from thence to Philippi which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia and a colony. I want you guys to comment on every word here, but I can't. And we're in that city abiding certain days. He goes down to Philippi not knowing what to expect. Now, Paul, when he preached, usually went to the synagogue first. It's amazing what God does. brethren. God is so sovereign, and so wonderful. How he prepares things, he has such foreknowledge. You know the Jews are scattered throughout the world several times. And when they went places, they started synagogues. That, that word means to meet together. Synagogue means to meet together. And so they had, they, they, they had become monotheistic. They'd been cured of their idolatry. Uh, they'd been idolaters for a long time, you well know, but they'd become very monotheistic. They also had the Old Testament. They had the Word of God. So it was a perfect place for the gospel preacher to go and preach there. So when they went to somewhere, they got to the synagogue first. And it's amazing how God does that. You know, when, God, when, when he sent me to India, Brother Gunnar was the man who prepared the way. God knew what he was doing before the world began. We couldn't hit a lick a snake over there Hadn't been for Brother Gunnar. And other doors have been opened up. God prepares the way. It's wonderful. We need to be praying about that. God prepares the way and opens up the way. But when he came to Philippi, there are evidently not enough Jewish men there to have a synagogue. So where am I I going to go? Look where God's standing. All right, I'll read verse uh, 13 again. Uh, Verse 12 again. And from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony. And we were in that city abiding certain days. No doubt looking, said, God, you set us down here now. What should we do? So what he did, he found a lady's prayer meeting. He heard, sisters, you have amazing, you don't preach the gospel. We don't believe in that. But you have an amazing work to do. I believe that sisters have a lot of things they need to do. One is to be prayer warriors. These ladies were prayer warriors. When God sent me to Clinton, Kentucky, I believe, I believe I went there in response to the prayer of two ladies there, Sister Essie May Richardson and Sister Freda Walton, I believe, prayed me up there. I really believe that. I already believe that. All right. On the Sabbath day, we went out to the city, went out of the city by Riverside, where we were I love this expression, where prayer was to being made. I, love, I preached a sermon on that one time down in San Antonio at a constitution of church I mean the, the dedication of church building I said I hope this will be a place where prayer is what to be made where prayer is accustomed to be made and my friend Grace Chapel of that kind of church we need to grow in that this is a praying church how I thank God for that I'm writing a book on prayer right now I hope you keep praying for me about that I thought send you sending you chapters sometime and I, we, this is a praying church I want to be even more of a praying church God's a prayer hearing prayer entering God all right Where prayer was to be made, and we sat down speaking to the women, which were which were resorted there. So there's a ladies' prayer meeting, a ladies' prayer meeting. A certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God, heard us whose heart the Lord opened, that she should she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. So God had to open up hearts, does He not, brother? God opens hearts up. He opened our hearts today, hopefully. God's the one who opens hearts. The gospel will fall on deaf ears unless God opens the hearts. We need to pray for God to open up hearts. So He did that. So Lydia then, uh, in verse fifteen, when she was baptized in her household, and besought us, saying, "If we have, if you if you judge me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there." She must have had a great bigger house. She's a businesswoman, and so she constrained us. So what did God do? Not only did He give a group of people to be baptized he also gave them a place to stay there while they're in philippi and if you keep reading which i won't but the next one that joined the philippian jailer remember that paul cast some demons out of some girl that had been fortune telling her almost got mad threw him in jail here he is in jail got beaten by the way see when you have when you preach the gospel it's not easy all the time we we, we may find that out it's not just uh, we're not just coming to church with our big suits on and clothes and it's always gonna be that pleasant. Sometimes gospel preaching is hard work. We need to realize that. Paul was actually beaten and then put in the in the inner prison, bound in stocks, probably in a very uncomfortable position. But he was not in a he, he was not down. He was up because the Holy Spirit was with him. Brethren and sisters, the Holy Spirit is a powerful being. He's God the Holy Ghost. So guess what Paul was doing? sitting there and crying and complaining. No, he and Barnabas were singing and praises and praying at midnight. God filled them with the blessed spirit. He with us also. When we need it, fill us with his blessed spirit, we'd be amazed at how powerful God is. There, Paul and Silas are beaten in those stocks. Looked like their mission may have been a failure. And now they're singing praises to God and praying. Hallelujah. And the Lord sent an earthquake. You remember the story. And then the chain fell off the prisoners. The, 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 the guard of the prison, the head of the prison thought that he was going to commit suicide because the Romans would have killed him. He had let the prisoners escape. And Paul went and preached the gospel to him. And the Philippian jailer and his household were also baptized at the beginning of the church at Philippi. Isn't that a good story? The beginning of the church at Philippi. Now, we can't look at the whole, the whole thing, but I want to look at a few things about Philippi. I'm going to read you some verses from Philippians. Let's go to Philippians chapter 1 and read a few verses. Now remember what I'm preaching about. Our private grace chapel will be, she is to some extent, a combination of the church of Philippi and the church of Syria and Antioch. A generous hearted church that had a lot of unity and also a church that had an amazing bent toward evangelism. Now, I'll read the first five verses, make a few comments here of the Philippian letter. I think you're listening. I hope you are. I hope this will be a sermon that will have an effect on us. I hope this will become your vision. I want you to pray with the Lord. Let this be our vision. You know, we don't just meet here on Sunday. That's all we do. That's, the, that's the very important. I don't want to denigrate that. We're worshiping God. You're not worshiping. Your, that's the best thing we do this week is worshiping our God. He deserves all the praise. Let's have an amen on that. He deserves all of our praise. We praise him in song. We praise him in prayer. We praise him in service to each other. We praise him as we listen to his holy word and live by it. But I want to get a vision. To, I, I don't want us to ever rest on, we don't have any laws anyway. If we had any laws, let's not rest on them. Let's ask God help us to increase more and more and more in zeal for the kingdom of God. All right. Let's start Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to the saints in Christ Jesus which are at Philippi, the bishops and deacons, the only two officers in the church, bishops and deacons. And that bishop is a pastor, really. And the, it's a, the same. A bishop is also an elder. I, I will to go to the book of Acts to show you that. Bishop means an overseer. And you know, you've been blessed at Great Chapel to have more than one preacher. People say, well, you're selfish at Grace Chapel. you got more than one preacher. Brother, God made it that way. If you look at the New Testament, I've got a lot of stuff in my mind. If you look at the New Testament, test me out on this. Every church in the New Testament we know anything about had a more than one elder. Now, lots of times our churches only have one elder. I've done it both ways. I've had to be by myself. I've also had to serve God with others. I like it a lot better when I'm not by myself. So right now we've been blessed to have three preachers here at Great Chapel. We all thank God for that. But we got some great dickens also. I want to compliment our dickens. I do that often because I really mean it. I'm not trying to butter them up. we got these men who are trying to be full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, and they really hold our hands up, and they serve the Church of Jesus Christ. You need to be praying for them. See, we got some ingredients in place that we are on our way to becoming this vision I want Red Chapel to be. The bishops and deacons, grace be unto you in peace from God our Father, from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. And I do that when I'm praying for you. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine for you all, making requests of joy. Now, key verse is verse 5. This is a key verse. What are you thanking God for, Paul? For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Let's talk about that for a minute. Your fellowshipping in the gospel. That word means, it's koinonia, the famous Greek word, and it means joint participation, Cooperation is a real rich word. So what this church has done, is, the church at Philippi was fellowshipping God in the gospel. i got to tell you why the epistle even was written. A Philippians, in a thank you letter to the people at Philippi who fellowshiped God and the, Paul and the gospel, they sent money to Rome. You look at the last chapter of Acts to find this out. Paul wound up in Rome. He had the pills of Caesar. So, but instead of him being in an old, dingy prison, he had his own hired house. Isn't that great? You know how he had the hired house? The Philippians didn't have enough money to have that hired house. So God used it. It's amazing how God works. I'll tell you, what a God we serve. Right there under Nero's nose, that old Christ-hating Nero, that old pagan, Paul has a hired house with the Praetorian guard guarding him around the clock. That's probably where you get the idea of the whole armor of God. looking at the Roman soldiers. And he actually got to receive his visitors in that room. And he was praying the gospel all over the empire. Isn't that great? He wrote four epistles, the so-called prison epistles. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. Paul wrote that while he was a at Rome because he had this hired house, the Philippians, that fellowshiped him in the gospel. And what I say about when I go to India and you help me go financially, I say, you're going with me. And you are in a way. You're going with me. Now, fellowshipping in the gospel. He was talking about both men and women, talking about the entire church. Bobby Poe, who was the founding pastor of this church, had the best explanation I've ever heard of fellowshipping the gospel. He had a word picture. He had the word picture of an aircraft carrier. Let's take an aircraft carrier, the gigantic ships, and like the Eisenhower, just was over in the Middle East not long ago, and the Gerald Ford, gigantic things. Some of Those things have 5,000 men on them, but they maybe have at the most 100 pilots. The pilots fly the mission, but they could not do it without the cooperation of every individual on that thing. Somebody had to even cook to feed them the they'd starve. That's right. Some mechanics got to keep the plane going. some got to arm them the plane. somebody can make the ship go. The point is, that ship's got a mission. It's got a mission. Not everybody's doing the same thing, but they're all cooperating that the mission be accomplished. We might make the preachers the old pilots. They're, they're out there doing the, we're all to be witnesses, but some men are called to preach. so they, But they could not do it if they didn't have the cooperation of all the people. That's true of Grace Chapel. My friend, I thank God for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Not only financial contribution, but prayers and encouragement and all kind of support. God is pleased with that. I tell you, he's pleased with that. So I love that. Keep that fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. All right. All right, that's what I want to do now. Okay, let me show you how, this is a thrill. How close should cooperation be between pastor and people? And you do that. I want to confidence you on that. One reason I believe that God had blessed Great Chapel, I wanted to preach a whole sermon on this, but I probably won't right now. I want to confidence you at my age to, to continue, continue on. You've been very good to your preachers, not only supporting us financially. I don't have the church budget being this small they also just holding our hands up and cooperating with us. For we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, you've been obedient to follow the gospel of Christ. I've been in church that was not true. I've been in church that that was not true. Keep on loving your pastors. Don't follow them blindly, but follow them as they follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And respect them like you do. Brothers and sisters, you've done that. Continue to do that. Even after I'm dead and gone, you continue to do that. God bless this church for that. But how close should the cooperation be between pastor and preacher? There's a wonderful verse here in Philippians chapter 2 verse 17. Philippians 2.17. Yea, this is Paul speaking, of course, Philippians 2.17. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I join and rejoice with you all. Is that great? Now let me tell you what they're talking about. What do you mean if I be offered upon the sacrifice? Of your faith, the the sacrifice and service of your faith. Well, here's what they're talking about. Okay, I won't go to the Old Testament to show you where this is, but oftentimes in the Old Testament, they had a primary sacrifice, a primary sacrifice, like a lamb. But sometimes they have a drink offering, wine, poured out in conjunction with that sacrifice. They're offered at the same time. So here you have the main sacrifice. Then you have this drink offering poured out with that main sacrifice and it's really blended into one sacrifice. And Paul's saying this y'all are the main sacrifice but I'm offered this drink offering I'm the drink offering poured out beside you and together we have one sacrifice. Isn't that a beautiful picture? An incredible unity between pastors and people. It's a beautiful picture. I love that. I love that. Alright. Now uh, when the Philippian church was started, as you know, the founding we already talked about, immediately they were generous, immediately were generous. Let's read about that. I'm going to go to the fourth chapter of Philippians now. I hope I'm whetting your appetite. I hope you'll read the whole book of Philippians. If you need a commentary on it, I can give you a copy. We can get some more copy if we need to. But that's a great thing. I want this would be a combination of the Philippi and the church at Syria and Antioch, which we'll get to in a few minutes. Let's look at Philippians chapter 4. I'll uh, begin in verse 15. Philippians 4, beginning in verse 15. This is beautiful stuff, folks, to me. Now, you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, that's the beginning of the gospel to, with you, when I preach to you, what are you talking about? Now, you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church Communicated with me and concerning giving and receiving me only. Immediately they began to communicate with Paul. That means they financially supported him immediately. But see, let's keep reading. For even in Thessalonica, he sent once and again to my necessity. Now, what I want to say there, I don't have time to go to the book of Acts. After Paul left Philippi, he went to Thessalonica. They began to support him immediately. He goes to Thessalonica, he, he's not there but three weeks. But they said, once and again, you said to my necessity, why is not Thessalonica? Isn't that beautiful? I mean, they hit the ground running. This was a generous-hearted church from the get-go. And they remained that way. I can't go everywhere I'd like to go, or we'd be here all day. But brother, there's other places in the Bible that talk about their church at Philippi being generous. And even talk about them being poor. They were poverty stricken but they were generous anyway. Hallelujah. What a church. What a church. Let's keep reading over here in the fourth chapter. Even in Thessalonica, he said once again it's my necessity. Not because I desire gifts. And I mean that. I mean that. And he meant that. I thank God for what you're doing for me, but my friend, that's, I'm not money hungry. You know I'm not. But you're doing the right thing, but that's the main thing is what Paul said. Not because I desire gifts, but I desire fruit. They're bound to your account. You cannot give God. You've got an account with God, folks. We've all got an account with God. And you, when, we, when we give of ourselves and our money, not just our money, ourselves, that go to our account. God likes that. I'm going to show you how much he does like it here in a minute. So, Paul, I'm glad, for your sakes, you are have an account with God. By reading verse eighteen now, but I have all and abound. I am abounding. I am in jail right here in Rome, but I am abounding. Having received Epaphroditus, that's the messenger. Epaphroditus, the messenger who came from Philippi to Rome to bring the gift. But I have all and abound. I am full having received Epaphroditus. These things which are sent from you. Now, how what did God think about that? An owner of a sweet meal, a sacrifice, well pleasing to God. You want to please God. I believe you are pleasing God. Why don't you keep on pleasing God? I like that, don't y'all? A sacrifice, a sweet, smelling sacrifice, acceptable to God. <laughs> then what he said, and God will do this. He's doing it too. But God shall apply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I love that. I, I keep saying that now. I do. My friend, God, will, God shall apply all your needs. Not just your financial needs, your spiritual needs, which are even more important. All your needs. I love it when God's people are doing things they ought to be doing. It's a thrill to me to see them do that. And I promise you, by the will of God, he'll take care of all your needs. All the way down to death. He'll give you living grace. He'll give you dying grace. Listen, God has chosen the rich of this world, the poor of this world, rich in faith, and every kingdom who you promised them to give him. I want you to be rich in faith. And you are rich in faith. Let's keep on working on that. All right, now, uh, let's go to Syrian Antioch. Well, let me sum up. Let me sum up. Then we will go to Syrian Antioch. Well, how about my sum? A very generous church that had a great degree of unity. Now why I say that? See, some churches didn't have a lot of unity. The Galatians just drove Paul just about. Oh, you foolish Galatians. The church at Corinth was a gifted church, but they had divisions in it. Very gifted had a lot of special gifts. But they they had factions. But brother, now only only one general reminder Paul gave to two sisters. These women, maybe it's that prayer meeting, I don't know. A couple of sisters, Eodius and Syntyche, he said, be the same eye of the Lord. I bet you when they read that letter, they shut up, they just kind of shut up, don't you? Oops. Because it was probably publicly written. And probably Eodius and Syntyche had a little problem. And so that's the only hint in that church of anything it looked like disunity. And I bet that took care of itself quickly. Can't you imagine here they're reading this letter? And so they're reading along. Everybody, oh amen, amen. I beseech to and oops. They be in the same eye in the Lord. So the great church, full of unity, listen, we're sinners we know it. We will have a little differences. We can work through them in a godly way. I exhort you to do that. Let's always endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Look over one another for good because you can't make any headway if you're not unified. And the devil knows that he'll do everything he can to bring division. That the a family or the church. He's a sword of discord. All right, now, let's go to Syrian Antioch. I'm going to go to the book of Acts. Now, this is very exciting. Syrian Antioch. Well, I'm going to read, first of all, in 11... Chapter 11, the founding of the church at uh, Syrian Antioch. Acts 11. We'll be just kind of, I can't read everything I'd like to. I read the whole book of Acts, but we got to just get a few pages, and maybe you'll read it. Hope you will. All right, here we go. We remember when Stephen was stoned to death, a great persecution arose in Jerusalem and drove a lot of people out of Jerusalem. That looked bad, didn't it? But God had a purpose in that. So they were had a good time in Jerusalem. I don't blame them a bit. They had a big time. Man, can you imagine having the apostle preaching to you? Having all these signs and wonders, man. Having a big old time serving God. We don't leave Jerusalem. God told us to go ahead and pray the gospel. We're going to stay here. So God brought persecution. He scattered them. But everywhere they went, churches were established. The devil tried to stomp the fire out. Sometimes you try to stomp the fire out, you spread it, brother. For the devil stomped on the fire, it spread. Everywhere those people went. They started churches. They preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's read about one of the best ones of all. Church at Syria and Antioch. Go to the book of Acts chapter uh, 11. I'm going to start here in verse 19. Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that rose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch Preaching the word to none but to the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake to the Jewish uh, the Grecians preaching the Lord Jesus. That's why I preached the Gentiles also. Alright, verse 21. And the hand of the Lord was with them. A great number believed. And turn to the Lord. Brother, I want the hand of God to be with us. And it can be with us. Even more and more and more can be with us. Then tidings of these things came to the ears of the church which were in Jerusalem. They sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch. The church at Jerusalem, the mother church. The one where the apostles were, they heard news that things were going on down in Antioch. Let's send this good man, Barber's down there to give a report about is this really good or not. And I'm glad they sent Barber's down there and some set some, up somebody else. They had a bad attitude. Who when he came had seen the grace of God. Oh, he saw the grace of God there. Maybe he have eyes to see the grace of God. Was glad and exhorted them that with a of heart, they should cleave to the Lord. I'll say you the same thing. With a purpose of heart, let's cleave to the Lord. Let's grab a hold of God and don't let him go. He was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. And much people were added to the church, added to the Lord. Now let me say something. Churches have personalities like people have personalities. The church at Jerusalem was a good church, but she had a different personality than the church at Antioch. The church at Jerusalem was more traditional. She was more squeamish about uh, trying something that they hadn't already tried. The church at Antioch was a more more, I wouldn't call it a wide open church, but a more broad-minded church. The people at Jerusalem had a hard time accepting Gentiles. The church at Antioch on the front end received Gentiles. I hope that Grace Chapel will always be open to anybody that God sends us. I believe you will be. All right, verse 25. Oh, Barnabas is a modest, godly man. If he had been a prima donna, he'd say, Oh, goody, I'm doing a good work here in Antioch. I'm, I'm going to be in the spotlight. No, he knew he was out of his water. Now, I know I'm out of my water a lot of times. I know Paul was down there in Tartus. And that's a lot more to say about that. He in Tartus, and Barnabas knew where he was. Look what Barnabas does. Well, always, my friend, be interested not in personal glory, but in the car of Jesus Christ. No place for jealousy. Always place for cooperation. Preachers should never be jealous of one another. We should thank God when men preach able discourses. Far beyond what I can preach, I'll thank God, the kingdom of God, being benefited by that gift. I'll do the best I can with my gift, but I'm also glad other brethren do the best they can with their gifts. That's how we ought to be, and not have divisions like they did at Corinth. I'm a Paul, I'm a Paulist, I'm a Cephas. And they had, and okay, verse 25. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. I'm I'm no Saul, a powerful man. I'm going to find him. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch, and it came to pass that a a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and uh, taught much people, and the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. That's why they were first called Christians. I bet that's a good time that year, don't you imagine? Old oh, Paul Barnabas, exciting times. These people have been persecuted and scattered. Now God's working with them in a special way. What exciting, my friend, he's just the same today as he was then. We've had some exciting times. We could have more exciting times beyond what we can even imagine. And in these days came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch. And there stood one of them named Agabus, and signified by the Spirit. That there should be great dearth or drought, that all the world which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar, then the disciples, every man according to the ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which were which were in Judea, which also they, they they did and sent to the elders sent to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. So this is also a generous church. They heard the church at Jerusalem was in trouble. Let's send some money down there. All right, that's the beginning of the church at Antioch. Let's go to some other places now. I've had to pick my places here. Let's go to the, uh, let's see. Well, let's go down here. Let's see. Well, let's go to chapter 14. Let's go to chapter 14 a little little bit. They're they're off on a journey now down to Jerusalem. Now let's look at uh, chapter 14. Boy, I wish I could preach the whole book of Acts. Y'all probably wouldn't let me do that. All right. Uh, no, I'll go, I'll go I'm going to go for I'm going to do that. I'll take that kind of time. Let's look at Paul's so-called first missionary journey. His evangelistic journey. How did it start? He's down at Antioch. We already talked about him getting down there, right? Let's look at chapter 13 now. This is good. I'll read a few verses here from the first chapter, 13th uh, chapter of Acts. Now there were in the church that was in Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon, that's called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manian, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. They ministered to the Lord and fasted. Now they were praying and fasting. And with great chapter of fasting. Let's keep on doing that. Pray and fasting. The Holy Ghost, uh, the Holy Ghost said somehow another, I don't know how this worked, Somehow the Holy Spirit but my friend the Holy Spirit will speak to us. I don't know how he'll do it. He'll show what to do. He's done that. The Holy Ghost said Sir, separate me Barnabas and Saul to work where unto I've called them. This is when evangelism is really going to take a quantum leap. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them they sent them away now I'm going to read you the next verse it's something very important the church sent them away you're going to have a blessing to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ but who's really behind that in the next verse so they're being sent forth by the Holy Spirit departed in different places so the Holy Ghost and the church working together sent them on their first journey and then they, you'll have to read about that I can't take time to read about all that but I am going to read you the end of the journey Let's go to chapter 14. Let's go to chapter 14. This is the end of the journey. Now they go going in preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, having some adventures, having some hard times. One time he even got stoned, thought he was going to die, all that kind of stuff. But anyway, read the book of Acts. I hope I'm putting your appetite, putting little salt bulbs here. Let's go to chapter 14. And let's read verse 26. Start there. Now they go on this, this journey. All right. Okay, they're coming home now. Exciting time for the church. Verse 26. And thence sailed to Antioch, from which they had been recommended to the grace of God, their work which they fulfilled. They're coming home now after this first journey. When they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them, how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. And then they have a long time with the disciples. What a wonderful time that must have been. What a wonderful time that must have been. Here they go on this journey, and they have these adventures, and then they come home to the church. They have a good time talking about that. Then they stay there and talk with them for a while. When the 15th chapter actually is talking about the council meeting at Jerusalem, so I'm going to skip that and read just one more two places here. I think, that, I think that's what I'm going to do with that. I think that's all I'm going to do with that. So let me just kind of sum some things up. That's, that's one journey. Paul took four journeys, three of them. He was sponsored by church at Antioch. Read those. Read those. But I'm going to make some things. I'm going to make some, I'm going to try to uh, summarize this. Let me tell you what our job's to be. Here's our job. This is practical, Okay. And everybody's involved, not just a few people, folks. Grace Chapel is involved. Get more involved, all of you, if you're not involved. Let's all get involved more. We have a mission together. We enjoy each other. We love each other. But we have a mission to perform. We're not here just to warm a pew. We're not here to have a good time. We do have a good time. Okay, here we go. Here's some of our tasks. Let our light shine in a increasingly ungodly world. We know we live in a very ungodly world, don't we? You know that. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I listen to Alan Moore every day for five days a week. He's on the cutting edge of cultural views and worldviews. It's incredible what's happening. Not only in the United States, but the entire world. All this transgender junk, all kind of stuff. It's crazy. So what are we going to do then? Well, they live in a pretty wicked world also. They're a pervert. They're in an ungodly world. A world of them, and licentiousness. The immorality is horrible. But here's what we got to do. Here's what we got to do. All right. Our job is to let our light shine. We know it's what it said in Matthew. I'll say that Then I'm reading another verse. Christ said, folks, let your light so shine before God that men see your, see your good works glorify God which is in heaven. Let our light shine. We do that as a church, we do that as individuals. Everywhere we are, we're obligated to let our light shine. Like again, I'll, I'll talk about Nathan a little bit. He played basketball for Vickery University. The entire team was immoral but him. He was not self-righteous. He was a real good player. The guys liked him. He didn't preach to them all the time, but he lived before them in a godly way. And they said when he left, Nate, we wish we lived like you'd live. That's what we do. We let our light shine. We maintain our principles. And everybody knows where we stand by our actions, by our words, we're not self-righteous. You did a really good job here. We had that wills, that service. Most of those people had never been inside of a church, but they loved you. They, they, they responded to you. I went to the, to the burial, too. Is, is that right, Sandra? They were amazed. You know why? They know where you stand, but you're not a bunch of stuffed shirts. You love them. We all love everybody. I love old Rudy. I'm going to pray for old Rudy. I don't like it kind of music. I hate this, that hard rock stuff. I'm going to pray for He's leaving on the 29th to go to Kansas City and go to Colorado and go to Salt Lake City and go to uh, Las Vegas and go to the Sunset to have a lifetime brain tricking no that old m- music. I'm going to pray for him of safety. i also pray God will touch his soul. So that's the kind of way we are. We're welcoming to people. We don't condone anything that's ungodly. We, are, we, we let everybody know where we stand, but we have the right kind of attitude. We love folks, right? I love that. All right. So the other verse though, I read beside the one Christ said, look over Philippians 2.15. What an appropriate verse where we live in. What an appropriate verse. This is what Paul wanted the church at Philippi to do. What an appropriate verse. Wherever we're at kids, grown-ups and kids both. Kids, you also can live right in front of folks. I want you to do that. Okay? Let people know where you stand. Don't be ashamed of being a Christian. Identify Christianity. All right, Philippians two fifteen. That you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. I mean nation, among whom you shine as lights of the world. It looks like that Paul knew this would happen today. Let me read that again. Here's what we need to do, folks. As we're trying to have this vision of being like the church at Philippi in Syria and Syrian Antioch. That you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Somebody may say that light may affect them, may draw them to Jesus Christ. Let's do that. Let's ask God to help us do that. Okay, listen. To do that, we've got to know the Word of God. Don't want any lazy people in the church as far as Bible is concerned. You've got to know what you believe. Be able to explain to people. Nobody let you preachers do do all the work in the Bible. Let's preach to you. You need to be Bible-reading folks. I know you are. I'm to, you to even be more. Not only Bible-readers, Bible students. Bible, let's give you a few scriptures on that. You know, one of our very famous. Acts chapter 17, verse 11. Here's how you need to do now. Am I getting on some toes? I hope I am. We got some folks here. I know you're in the Bible. Do some memorizing. Do some studying. But let's all wrap it up a little bit. If I'm hurting your foot, fi- you're getting on your toes, that's good. It'll be good for you. There's nothing like the Word of God. All right, here's what you got to do Acts chapter 17, verse 11. You know this very well. Th- these weren't even Christians yet, these were still Jews that were investigating what Paul was preaching to them. I think some of them got converted later on. I know they did. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word of God with all readiness, and search the scriptures daily whether those things are true. They said, we hear the preachers. We're not going to accept it just because the preacher said it. We want to have an open mind to the preacher. We have a ready mind, but we want to check out what he's saying for the word of God. That's what you've got to do. The old devil may try to put, put a false prophet here sometimes. There have been a few men who've been visitors that have, have kind of worried me about some things they preached. We have one guy here that I should have put in the pulpit. i tried try to be nice to him. And uh, I've got the guy's name now. I remember him very well. I asked him, I said, uh, would you like to pray? He said, can I say a few things? That should have been a signal right there. So he got up here and he got all the Muslims saved. Christ-hating Muslims. And uh, y'all didn't get through with it, I don't think. God, you need your Bible. Let me explain. Well, listen, we, we will have people preaching false doctrine. Maybe you hear it on the radio. Know your Bibles. Parents, teach your children. Another scripture on this. Over in 1 Peter 3.15, you know this, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. That is, set apart in your heart, first of all, get spiritual minded, uh, get in fellowship with God, confess sin, spend time with God, all that, get ready spiritually, not just mind, soul, get ready. Sometimes my mind's ready, my soul's not ready. Because soul works hard work. It pays off. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that acteth you, a reason of the hope that's in you with meekness and fear. Be ready, be ready. You know, Philip and the eunuch is a good example of that. Here, Philip and the eunuch get together by the Holy Spirit. The eunuch is reading from Isaiah 53. Philip runs up to the chariot, asking what are he, you what he's reading. Then he said, Do you understand what you're reading? He said, How can I, some man should guide me? And so Philip started the same scripture and preached Christ to him. Now, what if Philip hadn't known what it was all about? He'd been reading the Bible and said, well, uh, if you'll excuse me, maybe we'll meet again someday and I'll try to send you an email or something. I don't think they had to back those days. Or I'll see what John Gill said about it. He'd have blew the chance. So people, let ask you a question. Know the answer. If you don't know the answer, learn the answer. Then it won't happen again. One time, okay. Second time, shame on you. I mean that, folks. We need to all know what we believe here at Grace Chapel. Salvation by grace, what we believe, and be able to explain it to people. All right? Then one more scripture along that line. 1 Timothy 3.15. This is the church. All of us are the church here. Let's read this. 1 Timothy 3.15. Paul talking to Timothy. If I tarry long, I may know how to behave myself in the house of God, the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. The church to be the pillar and ground of the truth. All right. Now, I want to kind of, so that's our task. Know the word of God, let our light shine. Love each other. But we also, my friend, are to spread the gospel. And I want to read you the Great Commission, because that's to the church. The preachers may do the preaching, but my friend, the church is like the aircraft carrier. The church is involved in this. Let's read that. This is our marching orders. Our marching orders. Let's read that. I want to make, make a few more comments. I'll be through. I hope you'll get enthused about this. I Hope you'll think about this. You know, God may send some of you to places. Matt Bell's been places. Other people have been places. But this is, the, this is the Lord Jesus Christ gave the commission, my friend, to his church. That doesn't mean everybody preaches. Everybody is witness, though. Some men have the gift to preach. Let's Matthew 28. I hope this will just say, God, make this real to me. Make me want to do this. See, it's fun to meet, isn't it? I love to meet here with y'all. It's fun. I, this is a joyful time to on Sunday. But I could easily say, well, that's it. I'm making the saints. I like to be the saints. We we'll had a good time together. We we'll get to eat on the first and third Sundays. But I don't really care much about preaching gospel before else. May God not let that happen to us. I don't have enough appetite myself. I wish I had more of an appetite for it. And Christ gave his disciples this. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power, all authority given to me both heaven and earth. All right, so what does that mean, Lord? Go ye therefore and preach to all nations, baptizing them, or teach all nations. That word teach means make disciples. There are the two words here, Greek words, teach. This means make disciples. We don't make children of God. Only God can do that. But out of those that God has regenerated, we can and should make disciples out of them. It takes time to do that. It takes effort to do that. Well, I want to do it. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. In other words, after you give them to the church, then we've got to reteach them. We don't say, well, you're baptized, you know, great. No, we say, well, let's work together and learn more and more about God. And He's promised us, I'm with you all the way, even to the end of the age. said, world, "This age. God is going to have his church when Jesus Christ comes again. He told Peter upon this rock, I will build my church. The gates of hell should not prevail against it. I know there will be a witness here, but I hope there will be a witness at Grace Chapel. That's what I want. I'm glad God will have a witness. That they don't snuff it out, but may not, may not here. I hope to God. Now, let me just give you uh, some things to talk about. Let me show you some places that God bless the gospel to be preached by primitive Baptist in my lifetime. How I thank God for it. Ready for this? I hope we open up more doors. India. India. Pressure brethren in India. Hope I can go again. They're being persecuted right now. They're really getting tough. The government, all that ungodly Hindu nationalist government headed by Modi, a wicked man. They're having a hard time. But brother, we got some brethren in India. I, I love those people in India. The Philippines. Siberia, how about that, Siberia. Been there three times. Glorious brethren in Siberia. Nicaragua, I hope to go again in April. Now, I've never been to these places, but Nathan Pitney's been there. I talked to him today. I want to be praying for them. Kenya, Malawi, Mozambique. Isn't that great? he got good things to tell. I want to get him to come and share some time about some things they've done there. They've done some good work there. Now, there's some other doors that may open this is exciting to me. Mongolia and Ethiopia. How about that? See, in Mongolia, what happened there was our brother couldn't get into Siberia anymore because of the war, the Ukraine war. So they found out a way to do it. You can still get from Mongolia, I mean from Russia to Mongolia. So here a few months ago, as you might remember, Brother Herb Hatfield, Ray Harden, some other men, they fled to Mongolia. Our, brother, our Siberian brother went across, met them there, they rented a house for a week, had a gospel time. And Harvard's going to go again pretty soon. Isn't that wonderful? And this is a possibility we may have a church there someday. Well, a door opened up in Ethiopia. A man was invited to Ethiopia, and they wanted to come back. They're real articulate people there. They speak English right there. They're educated. They want to hear more about the gospel of grace. So here in July, uh, Nathan Pitty will be going over there, and some other people will be going over there tomorrow. So isn't that amazing? That ought to excite us. I wish he had opened up in England. I'd like to go to England, but he he hadn't done that yet. It's always these third world countries. I I don't know what the deal is here. Uh, But but, but listen, don't don't think you may not go. Some of you boys listen to me. I am the most unlikely candidate you've ever seen. When God Almighty opened up the door in 1994 to uh, the Philippines, I told Judy, I'll never go. I don't like to travel like that. I'm kind of scared of stuff. But I'll pray for them, and I'll continue. She said, don't be so sure, Zach. And she was right. Out of, an old, out of middle-aged man. when that happens, you don't know what God will do to touch you. You don't know. But let's be excited. Some of our kids, your children, may be carrying the gospel to other nations. But listen, not only there, what about this time we live in What about the United States? If it had been of Pioneers, we wouldn't have Grace Chapel. If it had been for the Machiavelli family and the Pope family and others, we wouldn't be no church at Grace Chapel. That was a wonderful thing God did back in 1969. Look what God's done for us now. Isn't that wonderful? The church at Ripley, my friend, that's in my lifetime established. And pray for Thomas Mann. He is trying to get something started. I think, I think it'll happen. There's a place called White Oak Grove. Remember that. We'll pray for them sometime, bathe them in prayer. It's a, it's a building, a beautiful building that used to be a primitive church and the church died out, but they maintained the building. They got some kind of trust for it. So Thomas found out about that. The people agreed to let him use that. And people are meeting there now. Most of them don't have a PV background at all. But the Lord, little looks like me, is working them together. You can just see them coming together. To see, if God had a church, he got to put the candlestick there, according to Revelation chapter 2. Pray that God do it in other places. You may be a part of a new church someday. Be a good one while you're here. Be a good member while you're here, by the way. Be a good member while you're here. Won't you do that. But by the way God, could even use Grace Chapel someday to start some churches to be a mother church. Wouldn't that be wonderful? I hope we don't do it right now because i like you to be here right now. But if God starts moving some people, I'm not going to gripe about it. God is a door opening God. That's the truth. You believe that? God is a door opening God. So again, my friends, a vision for Grace Chapel. God help us to be a combination of the church at Philippi and St Antioch. Maybe, listen, don't be lazy in your life. You will have but one life to live. Pour it out for God. I know you've got to have jobs. I know you've got to have other things to do. But my friend and I, number one focus, be interested in the gospel of Jesus Christ. May Grace Chapel be more energetic, full of spirit than she's ever been before. Come on, Brother Keeper.